Macarion to Stokes, who's onside. One now. Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. Um, Now, Tom Parker has ditched us for Christmas drinks with his team, which means that for this episode 52, (laughs) I have William Porteous Blythe sat opposite me making rude gestures for (laughs) all of the people watching on youtube i forgot about that oh well yeah william good to have you back how are you yeah i'm good i'm good if i had a christmas do myself i think it would involve um my two dogs that sometimes garden with me and uh that's about it yeah so but you know tom i hope you're having a great time yeah and i do you think there'll be a little bit of a spring in Tom's step today, considering the news? I mean, I, I don't know. How, how long do we yeah. beat around the bush here? Because like Saints FC podcast, it's Monday the 3rd of December as we're recording this. Yeah. And this morning, we heard the news that Mark Hughes has been sacked. Do we want to get straight into Mark Hughes being sacked? Or do Ooh. we want to cover... Saints versus Man United and Saints versus Leicester. Well, I, th- I think we should probably just be pragmatic about this yeah. and just talk about the football, the soccer ball, and then um, move into the, um, obviously, the the situation that led to his dismissal. Yeah, I, I suppose at this point as well, it's maybe worth pointing out to listeners that if yeah. you can survive the whole length of the podcast, um, which according to my statistics, I think about 84.7% of you do. So that's good. Much. Yeah, that's quite good, isn't it? Well done, you guys. Um, we're going to have Raphael Honigstein on at the end of the podcast to give us uh, his opinion on the f- current front runner um, yeah. with the bookies at the moment, uh, which is Ralph Hassan Shadrou. <laughs> Yeah, how's my pronunciation? <laughs> you just completely bottled it then, didn't you? <laughs> Go on, you, you, your turn. Hassan Hutu. Hassan Hutu. Hassan Hutu. Okay. Oh, I just got to call him Hassan Hutu for the rest of it. And then, then we'll get... Solid we'll get, Austrian We'll name. get Raphael yeah. Honigstein's uh, opinion on that. So, uh, although he's not actually German himself, he spent a lot of time in Germany. So hopefully Raphael will That's be enough, all mate. over that. Yeah. Yeah. So... um. Okay, should we start with a nil-nil against Leicester? Let, let's try and rattle through this quite quickly. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched the second half of that match. Um, I, I didn't even know that it was available to watch on Saints uh, media players. So, second half was good. Yeah, I thought we were okay. I mean, I, I know that there there were lots of uh, there was a little bit of negativity around that match, but we never wanted to win it anyway. No, you know who wanted to go up against Man City again? No, no uh, way. With a depleted depleted squad, and I thought we performed really well. And I think. I know. I know. We'll leave the Man United game for just a second, but I think that performance then did carry on into uh, the Man United game because of the you know you had Valerie and uh, Obafemi yeah. put in good good shifts. I think. So what did you think? Yeah, I, I I thought so as well. So I mean, obviously Obafemi missed an absolute sitter in the yeah. second half, yeah. and it looked like nailed on that he was going to get his first kind of first team Saints goal at that point. Um, and that did worry me a little bit because obviously the last thing we need is another striker that can't score goals. Yeah. But the good thing about Obafemi, and I think this is the reason why Mark Hughes stuck with him uh, for Saturday's game against Manchester United, is when he's on the pitch, he gets chances. And when Charlie Austin is on the pitch, he doesn't get chances. Yeah. And I saw like a few comments about people saying, well, but Charlie Austin would have absolutely buried that. But the thing is, Charlie Austin wouldn't have been there. You'd oh, have needed another no. two players to have been on the pitch just yeah. to carry Charlie Austin and actually deliver him to the six-yard box. But, the the, time. Uh, but Obafemi does have that athleticism yeah. as well. Which Charlie, Charlie Austin wouldn't... Okay, he wouldn't have been in that position. But also, if he had been, he probably would have broken his spine trying to perform that sort of, <laughs> you know, that, that pass into the back of the net that Obafemi tries to yeah. do. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously Valerie... Was great to yeah. see him in the the side as well. Yeah. Um, How long before everyone starts singing? Why don't you come on over, Valerie, by the Zootons? Yeah. Well, um, we've we've had a couple of discussions because obviously there's the there's the Valerie um, Amy Winehouse song as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're not sure which way this is going to go. The Zootons, obviously. Yeah. Well, anyway, listeners, 
we love hearing your songs. I love getting Tom Parker <laughs> to try and sing them. <laughs> sing them. Uh, although he'll probably be a bit disappointed that this one probably won't be, be to a Boney M tune. But get your favourite Valerie song yeah. on over. Um, the email address is saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on the nil-nil against Leicester. No. We have uh, another penalty mm. shootout. Obviously, we won the last one at Everton. Amazing penalties. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, five each yeah, from both yeah. sides. It's just yeah. unheard of. Yeah, and they were phenomenal penalties. And then I've forgotten who, who screwed it up for us. It was Gabby, wasn't it? Gabby, but his was the only one that was appalling. Yeah. So that literally the, the, the keeper, all he had to do was literally blow at it and it, it, it fell away. But I mean, yeah, but who cares? Who cares? We, we, we were never, I, I gen, I've never watched a penalty shootout where I've never wanted to win before. Yeah. So who, who cares? Who Unless, cares? of course, you know, you, you did want us to win for sake of, I don't know, what, prosperity. Mm. But geez, Louise. I mean, nobody really wants to go away to Manchester City and play play against them in the pomp that they're in at the moment. God, so, no, you know, no pro- way. probably swerved a bit there. And actually, yeah. going out on penalties is a way. You know, after quite a good performance, after having a goal disallowed, after having lots of chances, yeah. it was probably the right sort of boost that they needed before going to uh, going back to St Mary's and hosting Absolutely. Manchester United. Yeah, just save a bit of face and just roll on. I think Hughes yeah. probably would have thought that as well. So, um, obviously, game against Manchester United, I do not like Manchester United. That comes okay. from being a football fan in the 90s. I have okay. thoroughly enjoyed every time that we've beaten Manchester <laughs> United. Yeah. Um, my favourite one probably being the 6-3 with yeah. Egil Austin Stats hat-trick, of although course. one of the goals credited now to Genev. Oh, Math- yeah, yeah, oh, Matthew Letizia, sublime chip over Schmeichel. You yeah, know, just absolutely beautiful. Right? And, yeah. and the fact that that one followed the 3-1 yeah, like Grey Kits one. The 3-1 the, the Grey Kits was yeah. probably my favourite, actually, as yeah. well. Like that, that was just, it was just another, it was a rollover, wasn't it? It was wonderful. But yeah, no, it's, it's, I think the, the, the first game I ever went to see at St. Mary's was um, uh, uh, Man United. Uh, and uh, we, I think, I can't remember, BT scored, I presume. I can't remember. Was that the last time we beat them at home? Two, uh, was yeah. that 2003, I think? Yeah, it, it was de- yeah. it was it was getting on for decades ago. Yeah. So um but that that would be my that my earliest memory. And then obviously sitting in the chapel end when we were first came up against uh, and we played first met United and I think they yeah. beat us three two. Uh I can't but yeah, I mean all those memories. Obviously then when we got relegated, Van Nistelrooy scored on the last day. Oh, and Pompey were passing it around to the other team, oh. wherever it was. You know, th- th- but so yeah, it's it's always. I'm not, unlike you. I don't really have a. I don't mind about Man United, but to, but the Saturday's game. What it does seem to me though, that if we follow Mourinho around, because but, but before we go on Saturday's yeah. game, you've just reminded me of a great anecdote from my dad and, and why he really doesn't like Mark Hughes. Okay, so <laughs> the day we got relegated um, against. Manchester United. Yeah. Um, Roy Keane came out onto the pitch afterwards and started giving the thumbs down to the Saints fans. Oh my god! Which is just like such a horrible thing to do what for a the bit. Yeah. Bag. But um, my dad, even though like Mark Hughes wasn't playing for Manchester United <laughs> oh at this point, and hadn't played for him for <laughs> for years and years, in my dad's head that was Mark Hughes. <laughs> So when we appointed Mark Hughes in the first place, it's just like, I've never liked that man. You know, the <laughs> fact that he came out onto St. Mary's and gave us a thumbs up. I'm like, Dad, that was Roy Keane. It was nothing to do with Mark Hughes. You're not changing my mind yeah. on this. And, uh, yeah. it, and he still brought it up a couple of times since. Oh my so, God, I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't caught up with my dad today, but he's probably absolutely delighted that Mark Hughes has, been, has gone, you know. And, yeah, and good yeah, riddance yeah. to the man who <laughs> was giving us the thumbs down on the day we got relegated from the Premier League. Dad, you got the wrong guy. It's yeah. time to just just wise up to the fact but you know maybe maybe he was on but the pitch it, mentally know, whoever let facts get in the way of a you know good story yeah well know. no let's not go down that road because that's going to lead me to my political podcast we don't talk about that yeah. but um no my, I was, my, my point was um we have a really good habit of finding Mourinho and it, it is weakest we went to Stanford Bridge and beat him 3-1 oh, and Pellas, Pellas scored that beautiful goal um, and I, I generally thought when we got that second goal mm. uh, against United on Saturday, we found his weak spot because, I mean, I, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but my God, that first 20 minutes, Man United were horrific. Well, almost any other Saints team would have seen that through. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, three seasons ago, we would have destroyed them. It would have yeah. been a cricket score. It would have been Sunderland it all would, over oh, again. Imagine doing that to Manchester United. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. There's only one team that's put eight past United, isn't it? 
Really? Oh, oh no, hang on. I'm thinking that uh, uh, Man United put eight past Arsenal. Uh, I can never yeah. remember which. Yeah, I think it was maybe that one. Yeah, damn, damn it. But yeah. Um, well, should, I mean, let, let, let's get into the game then, because okay. I think probably nobody was expecting that much. Um, mm. I had kind of dragged out a, a statistic, which I found um, something which was mentioned by Duncan Alexander, friend of the podcast. Saints had the third most shots at goal in the yeah. Premier League this season. Also, 11th highest for XG. And if we'd actually scored the chances that we'd created for ourselves, uh, we would, in fact... Uh, be over six points better off. Yeah. Um, but John, I know you, you posted that on yeah. Twitter. Um, what's your Twitter handle again? At Saints FC Podcast. There we go. Um, and I was like, what's six points to us anyway? Like seriously, six points would only be for me. Like it's it's not that much like 14th. And even if it w- that would just be prolonging the agony. I'm just happy for us to be minus six points. I'm happy for us to be 18th because it means that we can get rid of the sack of plop that is mark hughes and i even saying that i feel bad because I, I i do feel like we were we were just about turning the titanic a little bit there i know we we managed to completely throw it away but six points you know xg and all that nonsense uh, you know at least we're top of one league yeah well so i mean yeah champions league positioning for shots not oh champions God. league positioning for <laughs> goal conversions so um, the Who amount needs of goals anyway. The amount of goals Southampton have scored uh, this season. I mean, it, we're not in as bad a position as we were, but before the Manchester United game, we'd scored ten goals in the Premier League That's from ten thirteen games. Cheerful, you know, um, and the majority of those by Danny Ings, who was obviously injured. God, um, so you wouldn't necessarily expect mm. um, Saints to then be coming along and, and putting two goals away in 20 minutes but it was beautiful play I mean yeah. I especially enjoyed the build-up play um to the Armstrong goal fantastic yeah. stuff and, and the Obafemi assist was sublime yeah it was I, really mature I mean really though I think we've got to give a shout out to Marcus Rashford for giving the ball away in the first instance yes thank you very much um, thanks Marcus thank and you. then Nathan Redmond yeah. causing loads and loads of havoc again running at defenders yeah yeah um Finding Obafemi, who was surrounded by about seven Manchester United <laughs> yeah, players. I know, yeah. And then for him to just kind of be able to hold the ball up. You know, he's a little stocky lad. He's, he's strong despite I being short. I can't believe and, he's 18. And, and the fact that he, I mean, you <laughs> yeah. know, he yeah. could have me on toast in a fight. I'm, yeah. I'm sure of it. And then to, to spot Armstrong, who'd um, managed to make a little bit of space. And then Armstrong's finish... Oh smashing it in the far post against uh, David De Gea as well, who normally yeah. stops everything. But when th- but when that goes in, the Armstrong hit shot, you're thinking not only oh that that's how you score, yeah. But you, but you're thinking, my God, that is that that's professional. Like that is quality. That's yeah. a player that we should have spent 15 million quid on. Okay, yeah. obviously we got now. It looks like we've got a bit of a bargain. But we look back on, you know, um, the fools that we have bought, like mm. Elianusi and what have you. Buffal, what what are we doing? Yeah. And you've got a little Scottish guy comes down and goes, here you are, this is how you do it. You know, like yeah. just finding the back of the net like that, you know. And you're like... <laughs> it's, it's like, what Stuart Armstrong that, sounds That like. is exactly how Stuart Armstrong sounds. Graham Soonest, move, move, move aside. Um and, and he does, he makes it look so damn easy. Well, he's made it look bloody yeah. easy against Fulham as well. It's yeah. like that bursting into the box. Just go for it. And Hughes has to be commended for that. You know, no one else is saying like, I'm not saying that um, Armstrong has said, screw you, Hughes. I'm doing what, sorry. Mm. Screw you, Hughes. I'm doing what I want. <laughs> I'm joking. Don't worry. That's never happening again. <laughs> I'm doing what I want. Um, no, Hughes has said, look, go and do this. Have, have a bit of a yeah. license to do these things. And, and, and it's happened twice in two games. So he does deserve a bit of credit there yeah and um you know i think kind of whatever happens going forward now whoever we have in place kelvin davis uh he's in charge for the spurs game yeah Stuart armstrong's probably going to be first name on the team sheet i'm pretty sure obafemi is going to be on the team sheet as well, well he's done his hamstring from his in- injury yeah. Yeah. so um i think if he ha- yeah. could have both those players available they, they'd be pretty, pretty yeah but with valerie as well and yeah. and redmond finally looks like oh my god i've got similar minded people around me here yeah. oh, my god he's like you know 18 or what have you young yeah. lad but and valerie but these guys want the ball they want to do stuff with it they want to progress but rather than charlie austin kind of oh, saunter around the pitch god. pointing 
I think Austin has to go with Hughes. I mean, obviously you can't go with Hughes, but you know, the transfer... Well, Charlie Austin, what he needs to do is speak to Nathan Redmond and find out about this fitness training camp and make sure <laughs> yeah. that he is on it. Yeah, but that involves um, a lot of effort, you know, and he's a, a fat millionaire now, so who gives, right? And and, and it's, it's heart and mind. It's, it's like, it's purpose. And we're, we're chock full of players that, that have seen Southampton for, mm. the, for years and years as this vehicle to get to another point, to a yeah. higher point. And I'm not too sure whether Austin thought that or not, because he's the kind of player that you think, nah, I think he's just after the paycheck, yeah. you know, as opposed to Redmond, who I'm happy for him to move on to, a, obviously, and he's never going to move on to a City or an Arsenal, perhaps, but he would look, be looking at us going, oh, Europa League football. Yes, please. Yeah. You know, so he's still trying. You can see in post-match interviews. He yeah. really wants it, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, as well, at this point, so I've heard a lot of kind of commentary um, from the old footballing media right. about how Manchester United went into the game with only one recognised centre-back and blah, 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 making loads of excuses for Manchester United because they're mainly Manchester United fans or Liverpool fans, it seems. Oh, mate, you sound but, like such a conspiracy oh, theorist. But can, can we also point out to all of those people defending Manchester United's selection of defenders and the injuries yeah. that we had an 18-year-old making his Premier League debut. Yeah, fair Nathan point. Nathan yeah. Redmond, who hasn't scored for... I don't know about a century, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, as our two forwards. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and Stuart Armstrong, who's bought from Celtic for less than £10 million. Yeah. So I don't care, Manchester yeah. United, if you don't have as many recognised centre-backs as you normally want to. Yeah. We, we came at that brave with an 18-year-old and, and Hughes actually changed things up. And Well, no, absolutely. And I think that the, the spirit of the match, I think we were talking about this pre, pre-pod, was reminiscent of a Southampton that came up because yeah. we were naive. Yes, we were very naive on Saturday. But um, the spirit was there because you had three players that really were really wanted to do something, maybe yeah. four. And I'd probably mean Hoiberg, Redmond, uh, Valerie and Obafemi. I thought and Lamina it, had a fantastic and Lamina, game obviously well. man of the yeah. Yeah, I'd say probably man of the match, to be fair. Yeah. So I don't know how the hell I'm missing him out because I think he does turn in performance. Uh, they, they kind of, you know, fluctuate a bit. But... You know, it was reminiscent of a team of, of slightly insurgent, like a surgeon yeah. form there. But I don't know, because obviously we threw it away. Yeah. Um, I think before we get to the throwing it away, oh we've got to talk about that free kick. Flipping because Nora. that was absolutely sensational, wasn't it? it? I think it's one of the most beautiful free kicks. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Saints fan. But the, you look at that time and time again. You, you know that little blue box that comes yeah. up in the corner, the top right-hand corner on an analysis? He put that in the absolute epicentre. I don't think from the position that he was in, you could take a better free kick than that. No. Sure, there are some which are a little bit more spectacular. Obviously, someone flicking the ball up to Matt Letizia, him chipping <laughs> it up and then lobbing the keeper is always going to look more stylish than that. But in terms of a- yeah. actual technique, hmm. Cedric hit his one in a hundred free kick there, the the perfect one. Mm, yeah. Um, and it... You know, we've given Cedric a lot of stick for his defensive frailties. Mm. It was his 100th Premier League appearance um, on Saturday. Oh, my God. And that was his wow. first Premier League goal. And what, what a way yeah, to yeah. do it. I mean, you, that would sort of, it would perhaps suggest that he, ha- he has been training it hard, quite hard on it. But also, you know, because you don't just come out with that technique. No. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that is a real tried and tested technique, yeah. which probably hasn't been afforded to because of the people around him previously, sort of, sort of like Buffal and Redmond and what have you. So now he's like got that opportunity. He's yeah. like, hey, guys, we've got another string to our bow here. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that. Obviously, I, I know this sounds really bad. I'll just be really honest. I didn't celebrate that goal and I didn't celebrate the Armstrong goal because I knew what was going to happen. And I'm not saying that, you know, f- you know b- with could, the could, hindsight. Could, could we take the mickey of McTominay and the Man United wall jumping <laughs> before we move on? Or to Luke the Shaw. What the... What the hell was Luke Shaw up to? Kneeling behind the United no, no, that, wall? That, was that Luke Shaw? I thought that, that was, was Luke, McTominay. No, that was Luke Shaw oh. peering between the boxer shorts of like the, the Man United wall, like some oh, little rodent. Dear. It was hysterical. Well, so obviously that was because they're expecting... They, that was to rule out any chance that he could hit it underneath the wall. Right. And then you have like Matic, who's like six foot six, whatever, mm. loads of big guys in that wall. Yeah. And the fact that Cedric manages to get it up... Over a jumping wall and then down into that top corner and curling away from David De Gea, hit hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. Just sensational. It's a million. It's a million dollar. It's a million dollar goal. You know, it's the stuff that uh, Ronaldo scores on a daily basis, but obviously that'll go unnoticed. What? Same teammate, isn't he, as Ronaldo? But I just think where where we where we were then 
and I'm still I was still not celebrating that goal yeah. and thinking we are going to screw this up. I just don't know how by, by how many goals and what have you. Um, I, I I still look watch that back on match today mm. still in, in awe, and I think we will do. I think that will go down through the years as one of the, one of those great free kicks. Yeah, you know, it it was really great. The inevitable was going to happen though yeah. eventually um marcus rashford um he's, he's quite know, a physical little chap actually yeah. quite a naughty little boy as well he's, he's good though isn't he he's he's got some I he's mean, got how, some talent how old is, he? is he like 19 20 years no no no, no he's uh, thir- 13 and a half yeah right, okay yeah, yeah no 13 yeah. december uh, december 7th is okay. his 14th yeah. birthday so yeah it's a fact. Yeah, so yeah. you know, he, he, he might be 14 <laughs> by the time some people are tuning into this episode. Yeah. In which case, happy birthday, Marcus. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, yeah. But he had a fantastic six minutes following that, didn't he? And yes. then Southampton's defensive frailties, their <sighs> mental frailties, Cedric's defensive frailties, um, well, Vestergaard's. Mike Vestergaard's like, particularly. Uh, and you want to believe in Vestergaard because he did have a run out in Le- at Leicester. Mm. And I thought we acquitted ourselves reasonably well. As I have said, I mean to be outpaced by a Lukaku who, I mean, he looks like he's put on about four stone. Yeah, he's probably borrowed a couple of stone from Charlie Austin. But like you know, let's not exaggerate. I think he is at least two stone bigger than he was this time last year. Genuinely, I think he's really bulked up. Okay, I don't, I don't know whether that's intentional or not. And like Mourinho wants someone who's like really, really powerful, huge, but. he does look, you know, he looks more kind of going towards heavyweight boxer than he does well, like Premier League forward. But that said, but, but also, how does that person outpace someone who wants to be in the centre of defence in the Premier League side? Well, you're right, you're right. I, 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 it was a one. I mean, it's a wonderful strike, but it doesn't really. It, it, yes, it was a wonderful strike because he was afforded the time. He still had the technique. It was a hell of a shot. But Vestergaard, oh my God, all at sea. Like, yeah. you, know, you, you know, just absolutely all at sea. And and if you can't mark the one striker coming in for United, yeah. then you're screwed, you know. And if especially if it's a, you know, a, a Lukaku who likes to rattle them in against us. Yeah, I mean, he, he hasn't scored for something like 12 games before that, but I think yeah. we all knew that he would score at yeah. some point. We, of course. We love helping players uh, break no, their duck, do. don't we? Generous bunch of chaps. Um, and also he was, he was never going to miss that there. He put it away brilliantly. Um, and then... I suppose we've got the, the second goal to talk yeah. about as well, which was a nice little cheeky finish from Herrera. But yeah. really, we should have cut it out before it got to Herrera. Herrera Roche, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, to be fair, I don't, I just, it's a really weird thing. Every time I hear his name, I have to say Herrera Roche. And I hope you, Saints fans, will follow suit. I, I just think that I, I think you're probably a better place to talk about this because I had zoned out. Mm. I knew they were going to equalise, possibly get three or four goals, and I zoned out. I just, I didn't turn off. I just kept watching. I watched, and I just, was, this is going to happen. It was a beautiful death touch from Herrera. Don't get me wrong, but um, it was literally like, oh, do you want to? Oh, hang on, it's it's time it's time you equalise in it, United. Mm. You can do that now if you like. We'll just stop doing what we're doing. There, there you go. Yeah. Your textbook. I do. <laughs> I suppose the the thing with Saints at the moment is we're so nervous, mm. especially at home. Um, and, you know, you go one nil up and you're like, OK, great. We know they're going to get back into it. And this gives us a little bit of a buffer for when that happens later in the game. Yeah. We get two goals up in 20 minutes, right? And any normal football team at this point is thinking, yeah, come on. Yeah. We're going to win this. We're going to romp home. We're going to get three. We're going to get four. And they continue to put the pressure on Build, and have, yeah. you know, have Manchester United on the ropes. It's really finished the job. Not Saints. <laughs> no. At this point, Saints are just like, oh God, this means that when we give up this lead, it's yeah. going to be even worse. Yeah, like- but John, if you want to get rid of your manager, do you want to perform for him just, in, just enough to stay in the good books of the manager coming in or do you just want to throw it away so you get rid of the guy? You know, my point is that they, they you know, I, I'm not saying that they deliberately threw it away, but if you're in the mindset of a Southampton player, you don't give a crap anyway. Mm, I, don't, I don't know. I think the players played actually with a lot of heart yeah, on okay. Saturday. Okay. Um, also, I think the fact that Hughes has been sacked today on the mm. Monday following that weekend um, tells you that the decision had already been made yeah. before Saturday. Because yeah. actually, if you were just basing it on a very kind of fickle idea of the last game wasn't good enough, so therefore we're going to get rid, 
actually, the game against Manchester United was probably the best performance we've seen from Southampton this season. Well, absolutely. That, um, that's why I was so perplexed by it, because you get those two goals, much like Newcastle did against yeah. United. And you're thinking, you know, come on, Newcastle. And then you, I didn't, I don't know, Newcastle left from, you know, from whatever. But other than seeing them play against us and they were appalling, we still only got nil nil out of that. Mm. But United, you know, United, you know, they're going to come back. They, they, they've got that form this season. I don't know where under a Mourinho side that that's coming from, you know. And I think at the end of the day, we had a, we had a bloody good go at them. Yeah. And, and that was commendable. But when they equalised it, we prior to equalizing, prior to equalizing, we just literally just took our took our eyes, hearts, souls, everything yeah. off the ball, everything that we trained for, and 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 I, I that's what leads me to be a little bit you know sad for Hughes because I do think that he got them playing. You can't argue against that. They they were playing, you know. They didn't roll over. So I mean, do we think at this point then that whoever the new manager that comes in yeah. will get onto the top? speculation a little bit later on yeah do we think that they're actually going to be picking up a Saints team that have turned the corner a little bit that have shown a little bit yeah I, I think so yeah. it's all going to be about confidence I mean I, I know we're kind of like skipping over the entire second half but there really wasn't much talking points no no I think it was I think the, the Saints were very very much of the mentality we cannot afford to throw shit away yeah. again yeah pardon my language we cannot afford to do that again yeah and United don't want to get embarrassed no you know either and and i don't know marino is very good at shutting up shop anyway so i think it was just right well we're both happy with the point here yeah fine see you later sort of thing it was a bit of a a second half yeah it was a non-entity you know um particularly because um i think obafemi came off as well um and what have you but gabby whenever he comes on i think gabby's gonna have to move on isn't he as a player i I just don't think he's got anything going for him anymore like I, I, i think he's done I mean, I know that's come out of left field, but just watching him come on and he just didn't offer a thing. So, really? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think he's done. I mean, he kept us up for that goal, but he, what, how many goals have you got for Southampton? You know, and I mean, not that it's about goals essentially, because our strikers don't mean, get goals. But he, he had that game the other day on the uh, right wing where he actually looked quite good, but, quite creative. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I don't know. I don't get the feeling that Gabby's going to suddenly hit this purple patch. And I think, sadly, I think it will just be a series of purple patches over like two or three seasons. We need someone who's going to be contributing day game in, game out. You know, we can't afford to prop these guys up. Gabby's just another player that we prop up. So uh, sorry. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> um, so we've seen the uh, end of Mark Hughes' reign as Southampton manager, oh, and uh, Williams yeah. foreseen. The end of Manolo Gabbiadini's reign as as a Saints player. Before we move on too quickly, I do want to just say, in in defence of Mark Hughes, Mm. I I was this time last year, we would have we would have said bring him in. Yeah, I think we would have said okay, fine. Give me a list of managers that are attainable to you know we could have. We would have said Hughes is fine, and he Mm. came in, he kept us up, and we were sat there in the pub down in where it was in in um, London Bridge. And yeah, we were plastered by the end of it, but we were, you know, love and give him a contract. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, Tom, we all know Tom, and you know how much he was. I was one as well. You know, let's get him in. So we've got to, we've got to acknowledge the fact that we all wanted Hughes. So yeah, I mean, I, he he certainly wouldn't have been my first choice, but I felt after, you know, with the positivity of having stayed up, I thought with a bit of momentum, and Saints Saints were playing better. I actually still think Saints have played better under Hughes than they did under Pellegrino, yeah. just with worse results, which is, you know, pretty astonishing. Yeah. Um, that may be because I'm a much more of a fan of attacking football than I am of defensive football. You know, maybe fans of defensive football will be watching Pellegrino and saying, well, actually, that was, that was beautiful. You know, the way how he stopped our players attacking so that they'd all be robustly in position for, for the next time. That, I'm going to shoot myself, yeah. you Gary, on talking about <laughs> Pellegrino for much longer. Oh, my but, God. You know, at least... Some of the football under Hughes was actually enjoyable to watch. Yeah. I mean, we still have all the frailties. But the next guy comes in. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. He's He's got to sort out the mental weakness more than anything else. He's got to drill the defenders to get them to be able to actually defend to, you know, yeah. Premier League level. No, absolutely. I mean, and, Tom, um, yeah, Tom was saying that last week. You know, yeah. we, we've got a bunch of international players. Yeah. They, they're not all imbeciles. 
there, there's something going on there in the mentality of Southampton, whether it was Les Reed, Ralph Cougar, blah, blah, blah. Uh, from the top down, we will never know. We'll never be privy to that. Maybe in like 10, 15 years time, you know. But at the moment, I, I, w- I would say I've lost my train of thought, but mm. never mind. I'm sure it was really educational <laughs> and, and, and pirate based. But no, no, I, that was it. It was um, it was managers going forward. Yeah. But I think whoever does come in has, he's got to recognise that it is, our, it, I think it's a big fat arm around the shoulder time. It's look guys, yes, you've been led astray. I'm the man to bring you back. Okay, and I, I think we should get straight on to the managerial speculation because this is what everyone want, wants to wants to talk about. So yesterday evening, yesterday being Sunday evening, yep. uh, for those of you that are listening to this tomorrow, um, that's confusing. Breaking, yeah. breaking the time and space, continuing here. Um, but yesterday, all of the rumours were Sanchez Flores was coming in. It was mm-hmm. basically a done deal. The odds on the bookies just totally disappeared. There were people who are in the nose um, yeah, yeah. who were suggesting that, that it was definitely going to be Flores. Yeah. And then this morning, I um, had a little chat uh, with my in the know <laughs> in source, the know. I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the whole interest had shifted. Yeah. And it was uh, Ralph... Hassan Hüttel? I just, I just don't know. I'm, I'm going to need to get Hassan some... Hüttel's fine, man. Hassan, Hassan Hüttel. Yeah. I actually don't... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just... Yeah. Hey, John. We'll, John. We'll get it right. I, ich oh. liebe dich. Yeah? Ich I'm, liebe dich. I'm looking forward to getting Tom Parker on the podcast, who's bound to pronounce his name worse than me. Do you um, think? I don't know, man. It's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you're Austrian or German, I, I'll tell you what, I'll ask, Raf, I'll ask Rafa Honigstein Hon- as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he should know how to pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, but say he's the front runner at the moment and the yeah. odds have literally flattened out. I mean, okay. the, the way the betting has gone, either it looks like everyone has, um who read the Jeremy Wilson article and then put their money yeah. on him and therefore the bookies have just like flattened the odds. Or there's a lot of people with insider knowledge who think it's him. But mm. funny enough, following the Telegraph article this morning put out by Jeremy Wilson, we've since seen the BBC reporting, we've seen all of the major, more, um, I suppose, credible news yeah, in, agencies in, in putting, putting, yeah. putting yeah, not, that news Not just out. some random bloggers, yeah. yeah. Because we did have Paolo, uh, Paolo uh, Salsa, didn't we, for a yeah, little while? Yeah, Salsa. And, and uh, to be fair, I was quite excited about that prospect as well. And but this 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 guy is literally only just come on my radar. I'm on like this tran- the transfermarket.com website, yeah. day in day out, looking for replacements for Mark Hughes because I don't believe that Ralph Kruger can do it himself. Okay. <laughs> Kruger, Kruger even, yeah. And and I, this guy hasn't even I've never even come across this guy before. But, I, but I, that's I, my I, ignorance. That's I my total you were a big ignorance. German football fan. Yeah, only this season. Oh, so okay. that's my get out. And then. And then, yeah, obviously, I start slacking yeah. myself about because I'm like, how have I not noticed this guy? He's got mm. a wonderful track record. I mean, he's he did so well with Leipzig, you know, yeah. um, got them into the second position, Champions League spot. Um, he's got um, English stat up before from Bundesliga two yeah. into the into the Bundesliga. He's he's he knows what he's doing, and I mean, I know if you want to talk a little bit about his style and tactics or whatever, but I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm excited as well. I think we'll go into some tactics with Honestein later. Yeah, Ho- hopefully, yeah. he can give us a bit of a lowdown here. But just on the pure statistical basis, um, say so in his first managerial position with Unterhaching, which I think is an Austrian side, uh, his win ratio after 88 games was 45%. Yeah, not bad. Um, with Arlen, um, which was from 2011 to 2013. After 93 games, his win ratio was 38.71%. Getting towards Hughes' level. Um, no, Hughes is way, way, way yeah, below that. But he's getting getting, getting that way. Oh, what kind of heading down? Yeah, hell. heading down. Um, well, no, actually... I'm th- just joking. 38% is still... That's still okay. Strong. Yeah, 48 is mental. I, I'll tell you what I'll do. So I'll bring up some um, Southampton managerial statistics... Uh, oh, so, that's a so, good, good idea. Compared so, so to we, so we can get a kind of like a, um, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a comparison. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably be looking at someone like uh, Alan Ball. Um, obviously, some of the bet, the better days, yeah. the glory days. Should, should we carry on? So, English stats. Here we yeah. got um, 
up from the second division to the German equivalent of the Premier League. Yeah. 95 games there, 37.89%. So roughly about 38% again. And then with Red Bull Leipzig, 48% win ratio. That's nearly half his games. And that's not just from a small selection of games. That's 83 games. Yeah, I was blown away by that that stat earlier. And I think where the the style that Southampton played when we first came up to the Premier Mm. League was press, progressive, let's do this. Show, I mean, hell, every scene that's ever come up since yeah. then, they've nicked our idea. Well, not our idea, but and he's doing the same. You know, he he implements the same style, the press, yeah. the high energy, but obviously then comes with the defensive problems as well. So, so. I mean, for a bit of comparison, Mark Hughes, eighteen point five two percent win ratio. Wowzers. Mauricio Pellegrino, twenty three point five percent. Yeah, which is not great. Let's let's pick out some other bad ones from the past. Um, you should be able to do this off the top of your head. Yeah, well, Mark Watt, Jan Portlevert, 22 and 25% respectively. God. Nigel Pearson, 21%. So, Helen Hughes is the worst. Good God. Yeah, well, the only one Hughes is worse, uh, is, is better than in recent history is Dean Wilkins, who had three games and three losses. Oh, bless him. Um, and when John Gorman and Jason Dodd were temporarily in managers... Six games, only won one. So there's 16. But I, I mean, out of a manager that's actually had any sort of time, yeah. Mark Hughes is the worst uh, since Steve Wigley. And Steve Wigley only got 17 games to get his 17.6%. I remember him quite so. well. But no, the, the thing is there that maybe Hughes would have turned the boat around, but, you know, probably would have been at the expense of turning it around when we're in League One. Yeah. You know, and then he would have got his 48% playing, you know, Brentford. Well, kind of like Alan Pardew got his 53% in League One, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, which, exactly. which was great. I mean, obviously, Nigel Adkins achieved uh, 54%, um, yeah. you know, which was enough to get us double promotion. What yeah. Wonderful, wonderful times. But only if we want to com- compare Ralph Hass. Hassenhuttel's <laughs> yeah, well done, mate. Yeah, good, Ralph Hassenhuttel's uh, statistics. Yeah. Then I suppose some comparative ones here. Um, Pochettino was a thirty-eight percent win ratio uh, for Southampton. Ronald Koeman um, was forty-eight percent, and Claude Puel was thirty-seven percent. Yeah. So I mean, if his if if Ralph manages a win ratio equivalent to his worst ever managerial performance, yeah. Then we'll be talking about thirty-seven point eight percent, which is eight. Um, you know, about more or less the same as Claude Puel. So, yeah. I mean, that's cup runs, top half of the table, happier days, basically. Yeah. And and also, it it does when you're reeling those stats out to me, it does make me realise. I think as Saint supporters, it is is quite it, it's keenly obvious that we need to realise how damn lucky we are when we've got something. So, for yeah. example, Puel. You know, yeah, Whispering Claude was a bit of a, you know, ne- negative you know, It wasn't exactly a f- all guns blazing football. Yeah. But look where we finished and look what we did. And and then look what happened afterwards. And yeah. we have to think from this moment on, whoever is appointed, and to be frank, I hope it is this guy. Yeah. I hope it is the big R, big Ralph. Big Ralph. Ralph. Ralphie man. Yeah. Um, because I, I think he's got what it takes. I mean, you, you see, you know, he's got two promotions. He's done really well in the Bundesliga. And Bundesliga's a bloody good... Um, it's a damn good league. Hello yeah. to the Bundesliga Diary. Great podcast, by the way. So, but, so I mean, but for yeah. people who want to know a bit more about German football, that's the place to head, is it? Well, Bundesliga Diaries is an amazing podcast. Yeah. It's a lot like ours. A bit more roundtable, a few more voices, but it's really, it's really good. And funnily, you know, that's where I found out that our director, of, well, Leipzig's director of football, f- moved on from Saints to there. I didn't know that via Spurs, yeah, yeah, and I I didn't. Yeah, and so I think he might he might be coming back. So this is an interesting kind of combo because there's been a lot of rumours about Paul Mitchell potentially coming back to Southampton in a director or head of football sort of role. Yeah, and nothing's happened just yet, Mm. but if maybe they've got some sort of agreement with him or he's doing a bit of consultancy, yeah. then, you know, Big Ralph, as we'll now call him, to, R, to avoid yeah. me uh, cocking up the pronunciation <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
then that, that would be a nice little tidy package. The two have worked together before very, very successfully at yeah. Red Bull Leipzig. Yeah. So do you think we're going to see a Paul Mitchell, director of well, football, head of football, mate. Yeah. big well, Ralph as, as, you just as want the con- manager, uh, all as you the coach? Want. Well, yeah, all you want is continuity. That's all you ever ask for in football. Footballers thrive on continuity, yeah. simplicity. They're... Th- Oh God, I don't want to be nasty, but they—they're not the most intelligent of people. Not, not all know. of them. There are not a few all of them. Shards, there are sh- shining, shining stars. stars yeah. But I'm th- also not the brightest. Hassan Huckelbuckel. But I—I think that that's all we crave is yeah. continuity, and I think a, a duo that understand each other that can yeah. literally hit the ground running and understand where Southampton have come from because we were a Leipzig, we were a team that came up with ambition and yeah. we bloody well achieved that ambition you know for example for us for Leipzig finishing second in the Bundesliga is equivalent to us finishing what well where we finished what, seventh, like sixth. sixth or seventh yeah, yeah. in the Premier League so I think we found the right well hopefully if he's if he's anointed touch wood I mean I think we found the right guy yeah hopefully I mean obviously the typical thing that would happen is after this conversation we'll <laughs> then go and find that Southampton have appointed Big Sam <laughs> There's a gun going off in my head. Um, oh, God. No, that's not going to happen. That's so, not going to happen. I mean, like, we'll, we'll talk about the tactics a little bit later with our German Rafa, football yeah. e- expert. But, I mean, for those reading around the subject, for the Wikipedia, you know, research and the Googling that all of the Saints fans have no doubt been doing today as his name has appeared suddenly very much front and centre in the yeah, frame. yeah is that he does like a pressing, attacking style. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, you know, his teams are known for looking like they're dedicated on the pitch, like they're working hard. And, you know, to be honest, sometimes as a fan, like, that is is the most important thing that you want to see. You want to see the players yeah. that you've paid your hard-earned, hard-earned cash to go and watch to be putting in the sort of effort that, that you would put in if you were young, fit, athletic, and yeah. talented, and that which some players have and haven't been doing it since. Yeah. And I think a new a new man is going to come in. He's going to look at it. He's going to know. Yeah, he's probably got. He's. He, I mean, let's be honest. He's come out of nowhere mm. as as a bookie's favourite. So he's probably been tapped up. He's probably known that there's something like this is going is yeah. coming, and he's going to he's going to know who those players are. Yeah, and I think we'll get an immediate response. And we'll probably beat Cardiff 17-0. But I think the the press is the most important yeah. factor of all this because that is something that Saints fans will be so, so eager to yeah. see again yeah, at St. Yeah. Mary's. But not with a high, not with a stupid high line where we get yeah. undone every time. Not with a naive attitude. And Leipzig, have, have, have they've had that four or five seasons in a row now. Yeah. You know, Hassan Butler wasn't the the first to implement it there his predecessor was but he kept it going and look at Leipzig now they are romping it up the league because they've managed to keep that that implemented you know that mindset and when you see them press it's unbelievable you know it's nine players up in the final third like pressing like you wouldn't believe and winning it and scoring goals if you can take that to Southampton oh my god we've got then we've got you know we've got Hoiberg, for Christ's sake, you know he could press seventeen players all on his own. I don't, you know, I think a firing Hoiberg, um, Ooh, yeah. uh, firing Lamina, mm. um, you know Redmond uh, with a bit of you know direction, arm around the shoulder. You know, yeah. Redmond is so desperate to impress at the moment, oh, and I is. think, yeah, I think with the kind of coaching that you know, a, a coach that is genuinely interested in his progression, I, I think we could actually see a lot well, more from but Redmond. We, he will be. I tell you right now, yeah. he will be. Our new signing. He was the beginning. Redmond felt like a new signing at the beginning of this season. Yeah. When a new manager comes in, and if he's got anything about him, he will reinvigorate him even yeah. more than he is now. And Stuart Armstrong just behind oh. behind the the front one. Are we going to win the Premier League? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we're going to win the Premier League, John! I can't believe this. Let's let let let's not get carried away. <laughs> so I mean, obviously, we're both very keen, excited about yeah. Ralph. I think if if we get that big Ralph Paul Mitchell package, that mm. is that is a nod to the Southampton, who had been so good in in, in recent seasons. You know, with yeah. the Pochettino, with the Atkins, with the Cooman uh, attitude mm. to the whole way that they ran the club. But, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm feeling so excited about it. Yeah, it's because too, it, yeah. you look at it and it feels like the Southampton way, as the brand name for it, hasn't been totally lost, despite what Ralph Krieger has yeah. been saying in the press. And so, but, yeah. so fingers crossed. Um, this, well, that this was that work was the out. common line, wasn't it? That yeah. we'd lost our way, and I think yeah. that that is that's it's fine. You can say that we did. We completely yeah. lost our way on the, just looking at the appointments and players, and hopefully, God willing, is it going to be the last major mistake we make? Appointment? Let's just hope so. 
Let's hope so. Touch wood. Um, yeah. So anyway, Wednesday night. Oh, right, yeah. Saints are coming to London, off to Wembley, to play Tottenham Hotspur, who have been in some scintillating form, having beaten Chelsea and Inter Milan, but then missed out in the North London derby against Arsenal. Yeah. Losing 4-2. Yeah, well, I haven't seen that yet. Are they going to be fired up with anger on Wednesday looking for a revenge? John, so previously, the podcast I've listened to previously, either, you know, whatever Saints podcast it is. Am I allowed to promote other Saints podcasts on this one? It's a bit naughty, isn't it? I won't. But um, You you can give them a nice shout out. I don't mind. Well, I love, yeah, they're brilliant, you know, delivering totally, um, totally Saints, total Saints podcast. But I think that we all kind of thought we were going to get destroyed by Tottenham. Yeah. And I don't think much has changed. I, th- I think the only thing that will change will be Kelvin, Kelvin Davis. Yeah. And he's he is a, a wonderful motivator. Yeah. You know, he was part of that back five, as it were, you know, that, that, that ha- that's such a solid defence and various managers were able to implement, uh, you know, their vision through him at the back. And I think, Maybe, maybe we won't get smashed quite so heavily now, but I still think we're going to get reasonably mauled. Yeah. I mean, how many hat-tricks do you think Harry Kane might get? Maybe seven, you know. Seven, yeah. uh, what's th- That's 21 goals. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, 25 nil maybe. Okay. I mean, that's not too bad, you know. I mean, previous previous years I was thinking 37 nil. Yeah. So, and that's a terrible number. That's humiliating. But yeah. 25 is okay. Um, so, all jokes aside... Okay, sorry, I'm messing um, around. I... Don't think we're necessarily going to beat Tottenham. I genuinely don't think we're going to beat Tottenham Hotspur. Although strange things can happen in football. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think Kelvin Davis, I mean, he said in his his press conference today that really he wanted to get the players focused on playing for the badge and show that same dedication to the club that he did. Yeah. And if they can do that for a full 90 minutes, then, you know, hopefully they can get through the game without humiliating themselves. I think that's all we're after. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, a nil-nil would be wonderful. It's not going to happen. I mean, maybe a two, another two-all. Something, something to give us hope or just that we've, we made I mean, the right decision with sacking Hughes, basically. If we get a draw at Wembley on Wednesday, I think that's a big, big result. That'd Huge. be hugely positive. Yeah. New guy in before the away match at Cardiff, which is so, so, so important. And hopefully, yeah. new manager bounce and uh, we can beat Warnock's Cardiff City. <laughs> Warnock's Cardiff City. You say that with a bit of zealousy. I don't know. I kind of like I kind of like Warnock, but I don't like him, obviously, at the same time. My, one of my best mates... Um, is it? Warnock came on to his mum once at the fish and chip shop, <laughs> but that, that's for another day. Um, but yeah, I, I know we're running out of time, but I do, I do think Tottenham match we can definitely one hundred percent put that to one side. Yeah, no, I don't think any Saints fan in their right mind should be thinking other than just a fun little kick around mm. for the Saints because come on, you yeah. know, we haven't even got we haven't got the new guy in. And by the way, whoever comes in, we have to be patient with super patient because this he's not just being dropped in to a mid-table yeah. scrap from maybe Europa League. He's, it's a relegation battle, which, by the way, Hughes did miracles keeping us up because this time last season, we were all, my God, we're doomed. Yeah. So whoever's coming in, this isn't just, you know, this is a big deal. This is relegation and, and, and all the crap that goes with it, you know? By the sounds of things... Albert's My back. little boy is back. <laughs> so I think that's probably a good point to wrap up this part of the podcast. Okay. Um, not too hopeful for Wednesday. Hopeful for a big result yeah. um, next weekend, hopefully with a new manager in place and someone that we can all get behind. Thank you very much, William Portius Blythe, for joining us, the Pirate My Gardener. My pleasure. Yeah. If people want your pirate gardening services, where can they find you? Um, I, I, I can't be bothered. I think you just find me on Twitter. The, yeah, the it's, Limehouse Pod. It, it's just Limehouse Pod. Yeah. Limehouse Pod. And you can find me on Ugly Inside where I do lots of um, blogging as well. Rant, ranty blogging. Yeah. So anyway, thank you very much, William. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com or at Pod on Twitter. Obviously, we're going to speak to Raphael Honigstein in a few moments, so stick around for that. <laughs> Albert, do you want to come and say hello to my listeners? Just come and say hello into this red thing here. Hello. That's my little boy. And right, over to <laughs> Raphael. Right, 
Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am very privileged to have Raphael Honigstein on the telephone um, to chat, chat Ralph Hassenhuttel with me. Um, Raphael Honigstein, he's a German journalist, author, broadcaster. Um, podcast, podcasting fans will recognize his voice from the Totally Football Show. Um, you may have also heard him on BBC Five Live, seen him on BT Sport or Sky Sports, or read his articles in The Guardian or The Blizzard, amongst other things. You may have even read one of his uh, fantastic books about English football from the German perspective or about German football. Probably not if you're a Saints fan, read his book about Jurgen Klopp yet, though. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we've probably given that one a miss, Raphael, so far. Apologies on that. But the rest of it all sounds very, very interesting and sounds like you're probably the right sort of person we should be speaking to today when um, Ralph Hassenhutl has suddenly appeared um, out of nowhere, if, you, if you're a Saints fan, really, to the top of the um, managerial favourite charts after Mark Hughes was sacked this morning. Um, so, Rafa, w w welcome on to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. What, what can you tell us about Ralph? Thank you for having me. Well, what can I say about Ralph? Um, has been very highly rated ever since taking English to the first Bundesliga in his, uh, uh, what was only his second state as a manager, um, a club that had never been to Bundesliga before and then managed to almost repeat the miracle by staying up, um, which was his personal Leipzig job, where at the very first year in the Bundesliga, he finished uh, um, second uh, behind Bayern and um, qualified for the Champions League. The first. So it was a huge success for uh, three years for him. It, it didn't go quite as well last season. I think Hasenhüttl wanted to play a slightly more expensive style, wanted to play a bit more football rather than concentrate on pressing the transition. And I found it was initially quite happy to support him, but I think then kind of lost patience with him when the results weren't uh, going their way and then they passed it. And ever since then, I've just waiting for the right to come along, and uh, it looks as if we might see him at uh, on the south coast very, very soon. Yeah, I mean, have you heard anything at all yourself? Because um, I had my kind of in the know. I'm doing kind of like inverted commas, uh, you know, source say that. But I wonder if you've had any kind of in the know from the German perspective of side of things that that say that this looks like it is going to be a done deal. No, um, I must admit I wasn't across the story today. I haven't really um, followed it up. I was busy with some with some other stuff. What I would say is reading between the lines of some of the stuff my uh, colleagues wrote. It seems to be very, very well sourced, yeah. uh, very strong. Um, some are saying that he'll be in place by um, by the next game, even what well, by the weekend game, I should say. So it, it sounds very, very real and it sounds very probable. Um, it's interesting because he has been not so long mentioned as someone who might take over at Dortmund, who might take over at, at Bayern. So on the face of it, I think from a German point of view, it seems almost like a, a bit of a step down. And I say that, of course, with, with all respect, all due respect to Southampton. But I think it shows that perhaps his, his standing has, um, has suffered a little bit in, over the last six months or so. He was really on a high, and if you remember, was linked with the Arsenal job yeah. when he had that fantastic first season um, with Leipzig and was seen as one of the sort of new up-and-coming managers. But I don't think that is actually a problem because you only have to think about this guy called Maurizio Pochettino to realize that a guy who might not be sort of the, the hot uh, stuff right now... Um, doesn't necessarily mean that his work, his underlying work, isn't very good. And I think Southampton would have looked very, very closely at the work he's done. And I think they would have uh, surmised or deduced that he's been able to get a lot out of very limited teams. So if you're looking for someone who's going to immediately improve the team, who's going to introduce a very recognizable style, who's going to make the team very tough to beat again, give them cohesion, give them an identity... All these things, I think he ticks the boxes. So I personally think he'd be really a brilliant appointment. Okay, well, well that all sounds good. And I, I suppose, I mean, you've mentioned uh, Pochettino there. And when the Southampton scouts 
um, first came across Pochettino. I think they were looking um, to buy Philippe Coutinho at the time. He was playing for Espanyol under Pochettino and then decided on him. Is it his style of football that you think is is perhaps attracting the attention of Southampton? Is it from from what I've read, he likes pressing, he likes attacking, he likes high energy football, which I suppose elements of that you can say are similar to what Pochettino did at Southampton and then has followed up doing at Tottenham Hotspur as well. Yeah, undoubtedly, I think that is, that is the main uh, selling point here. I think if you're looking um, to just really whip the team into shape, that is, for me, from the outside looking in, devoid of direction, devoid of any sense of cohesion, playing a very uh, indistinguishable football, which is very difficult to say what, what is it they're actually trying to do, to go to real... Um, strong sense of strategy, strong sense of this is what we're trying. The one caveat or the question mark is, you know, how much of that was was his? How much of that was sort of the the blueprint that he followed at Leipzig, which had set almost independently of him? I think Leipzig, Ingolstadt, he played that way. And then I think he wanted to change. So we don't know sort of what his true. We might not necessarily know sort of what his idea is in 2018, 2019. My guess is though that. Southampton have looked around them and uh, have seen that some of the, the poor teams in the league or some of the teams struggling, shall we say, are possibly are uh, improving. And all, or at least some of them, have, have a system that kind of helps quite a lot with very little. I think Huddersfield being the prime example. So I think that this is the idea here. The idea is to say, you know what, we're not going to get now a manager who's going to ask for six or seven new signings or who's going to try and play his way out of uh, the bottom with a team that's uh, obviously very low on confidence and perhaps low on real football and quality. So get a guy in with a strong system, which uh, makes makes us awkward, makes us tough to beat, gives us energy, uh, gives us a sense of purpose. And I think he's he's shown that he can definitely do that. Yeah, I think all of that makes sense and will probably be kind of music to the Saints fans' ears. Um Say, I mean, if if he does get the job, what what sort of formation do you think he'll be playing, and uh, and what sort of players would he be excited to work with? I mean, the high energy pressing doesn't sound like that would be particularly well suited to Charlie Austin, but perhaps there'll be some other players in the squad that he might be more excited about working with. Yeah, I think I mean that that is a good point. I think he'll have to look very carefully at the squad and make sure that a what he's asking them can actually be achieved for the players he has. But I think it will become very quickly apparent that those who cannot play that way will find it very, very difficult uh, to survive. Um, at Leipzig, they only bought young players. They only bought fast players. Um, at Ingolstadt, they only had hardworking players. So that seems to be his style. It seems to be his way of doing things. Um, he might, I don't know, he might have used sort of the last six months of not working to broaden his horizon. Maybe I've come up with new ideas, but I, my my hunch is that he's going to go with what he knows best, which is to make a team defensively very, very strong. And to put this into context, I mean, this is really Ingolstadt. Yes, they had a little bit of money with a bit of backing, but then to stay up in the league was was really remarkable. I mean, we are talking sort of Huddersfield kind of territory. Yeah. Very small, very small um, budget. Um, individually, not really gifted players. So in a way... Southampton, he has a lot to work with. Um, and be much closer to what he had at, at Leipzig, where he had a really great team. Um, formation, I don't think it's, it's such an issue. It's, uh, it's often been a 4 3 3, which then becomes a 4 4 2 without the ball. Um, you can play a 4 5 1. In the last season at Leipzig, they experimented a bit with different formations with limited success, I would say, uh, on the whole. but I wouldn't put that down as a formation, but simply to maybe the team being a little bit tired and just needing something a little bit different. And what he tried to do didn't quite sit right with um, with Ralf Rangnick and maybe one or two players. So it's um, I think it's less to do with a specific formation or a very specific way of playing, but rather saying... When we don't have the ball, we want to make it really, really tough for the opposition. And we want to win the ball back in areas where we can be really, really dangerous. And they will try to do that. It's no longer, I think, a novel tactic in the Premier League. 
it no longer will perhaps have the devastating impact that it had when Pochettino really introduced as the first manager in the Premier League that kind of high systematic pressure. But it can still, and I think, again, I have to reference Huddersfield here, it can still make a big difference and ensure that a team that is perhaps not that comfortable on the ball for whatever reason can drag one or two other teams down to their level and then beat them. And I think if you're in a relegation dogfight, just to play that aggressive style, that kind of practice style, um, will make it easier for the players and also, I think, get the crowd going. Okay, I, I think that's probably two things that we definitely need at Southampton at the moment. And St Mary's is just a, a cauldron of trepidation and anxiety at the moment rather than, um, you know, fierce enthusiasm for the players. So, I mean, you've said like quite a lot of interesting things. So the picking up on the 4-3-3 kind of formation, which is the formation that Saints play throughout all of their youth sides on the kind of that pathway that they have up, up to the first team. And um, I suppose hopefully there'll be some decent young players for him to work with. And Pochettino certainly seems to get a lot out of our, our younger players as well. But I guess kind of um, one of the, the questions is when, when his record really stands out as being particularly impressive, the fact that he's been linked with clubs that are much bigger than Southampton, um, you know, why why Southampton? Is is it something that he's seen about? I mean, why come into a relegation dogfight where it hasn't been pretty there? The team is low on confidence. The club doesn't seem to be particularly willing to spend much money and transfers. And but is it is it all about building up his reputation and then going on to something bigger and better in a couple of years? Yeah, I think I think that every manager wants to be in a job, and I think. Uh, Maybe there has come a point for him where he missed out, okay, I missed out on Dortmund, I missed out on, on Bayern, uh, Schalke seemed to be reasonably happy. Maybe the Leverkusen job would have opened up, but they haven't made up their mind yet. So I'd rather get a firm offer from uh, a team that was a mainstay in the top um, half of the Premier League, very, very close to the Champions League places uh, in some of those seasons, and see if I can get them back up to that level, rather than just waiting for a so-called bigger offer, which might never materialize. And I think he'd be hugely attracted to this challenge. I think also the fact that, you know, Maurizio Pochettino went from Saints to Spurs and uh, now is a manager that could probably get any job in the world, would have told him that, you know, if you have success, if you get noticed in the Premier League, then you're on the radar. And um, I can only assume that the talks he's had have convinced him that uh, Southampton have a lot of upside are in somewhat of a fourth position and with a bit of TLC and a bit of proper coaching can immediately improve. And, you know, the good news is that Southampton, I think, despite their struggles, are by no means doomed when you look at the table and the points. There are a lot of teams of a similar level around them, behind them, uh, teams that I think in squad size and in squad um, ability, squad quality, you'd probably rank behind um, Saints. So I think you'll see, you'll see a lot of um, opportunities there and I think you'll see it as a real chance to, to have an impact, uh, to do really well and then we go off season with maybe a bit of budget and uh, uh, a bit of a transfer policy behind him that uh, maybe brings one or two of the players that he wants. And I'm I'm not surprised at all that he'd be attracted to that kind of job. Okay, brilliant. Um, Raphael, I've got a couple of things to ask you before we, we check out. So um, if you're a Southampton fan and you haven't read any of Raphael Honigstein's books before, where where should we start? Which which one should we add to our Christmas list as our wives, girlfriends, husbands, children, etc., asking us what we want for Christmas? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're not interested in football at all, or if you're only interested interested in Southampton, then I might recommend a children's book that I wrote. Okay. On uh, um, famous treasures that have been found or yet to be found, ranking from old um, bank robbery loot to the Jules Rimet Trophy, uh, pirate ships, El Dorado, mythical treasures and real. Um, I can recommend that uh, very highly. 
Um, oh, it's called um, it's called the Big Book of Treasures. The Big Book of Treasures. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's an illustrated book uh, yeah. easy to read. I'd say from sort of eight to twelve. If you are, um, if it has to be a football book and it has to be for grown-ups, then and it's not Klopp, um, I would say the Dust Reboot. Um, it's a book with enough, just enough universal, I think, resonance for anyone who wants to see how a, a football team that really was down and out and felt it had no future and were really behind the curve learned the lessons, righted the wrongs, and got going again. So it could be quite topical for Southampton. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the kind of book that we might want to read just as a kind of hopeful fairy tale, I think. Um, and then the other thing, so I've been told by a couple of friends that you're well into your music, so we want a musical recommendation from you as well. It could be anything. What what, what have you been listening to recently that has, uh, that has got you excited? Oh, um it's been mostly really old stuff so nothing um uh nothing that uh, that new and uh, and interesting uh, okay well, let's go for something old and brilliant if you haven't got any yeah well if you haven't got any parliament records then um i think something like the mothership connection or the clones of dr funkenstein are a very very necessary introduction to p-funk p stands for the pure funk um, the whole West Coast hip hop is built on these on these tracks, um, but the original style well worth checking out. Yeah. yeah, I can absolutely second that. Uh, my wife got me the Mothership Connection for a recent birthday of mine, so uh, it's a it's a very regular yeah. feature on the on the record player. But yeah, uh, anything Excellent. with George Clinton involved is normally lots of good fun. Brilliant, brilliant, great. <laughs> You've got very good taste. Well, your wife has. <laughs> Yeah, we we uh, we watched um we watched Parliament at Bestival probably the year, I think we met at Bestival in 2008 and I think he was on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's a it's a symbolic. One of those four-hour sessions. Uh, it wasn't quite four hours. I think they kept it to a kind of like nice hour and a half. But yeah, they they had all of the oh, aliens yeah. and nappies and all sorts of stuff going on. It was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah that's cool. All right, brilliant. Well, thank thank you very much, Rafa, right. for joining us. Um, it's uh, yeah.